Are you seeking fulfillment for your life? Do you want freedom from fear? That's why we're here. Welcome to Jesus 101, introducing you to the real Jesus. And now, here's your host, Elizabeth Talbot. Hello and welcome. This is Elizabeth Talbot, and we continue with our mini-series for Christmas that we have entitled Christmas Gifts. Of course, the greatest gift of all times is Jesus Christ, because we have a Savior. He was born to die for us, and we now have eternal life. But aside from Him as a person and what He achieved for us at the cross, God blesses us with many other gifts that He brought In this series, we have studied the gift of His choice, the gift of His presence, the gift of His guidance, and the gift of His plan. And this is the last program uh, in this mini-series. And today we're going to talk about God's reality, how God offers us a second reality, different than the one that we see with our eyes. There's a second reality, and it's the reality we come to believe in, and that is by faith, is not by sight. And God uh, offers us this second reality. When, When we are in trouble, when we are sick, when we're in a pandemic, when we are in a relationship problem, all we can see is, is the storm. But there's a second reality, the reality that God brings to our souls, that He's with us, that we're going to get through this, that He will guide us through this, et cetera, et cetera, right? So this God's reality, I want to tell you a story to start with that uh, will help you visualize it. The the very known writer, uh, Max Lucado, tells a story that he was in a plane when a really bad storm hit. And the plane was going up and down, and, and it was a really bad storm. Some people started kind of screaming and, and praying out loud and all of these kind of things. And um, there was a man behind him that was laughing, but laughing really, really loud laughter, like ha, 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 laughter, right? And so it says, like, uh, Lucado says he turned around to see what was going on. This man was so out of context laughing like this, right? And he saw him wearing headphones, and it was obvious that this man was uh, <laughs> hooked into a, a different, uh, you know, channel than everybody else because nobody else was watching TV because everybody was in the storm except this man. That I guess there was some kind of some kind of funny thing going on on TV, and he was just laughing, completely oblivious of of the storm that was going on. And when Lucado uh, turns around, he thinks to himself, "This is what faith is." Faith is connecting with a different reality than the one we're in, knowing that that reality is more real than the one that we can see. And so Christmas brings to us this other reality, that a Savior was born, and that there is this divine reality that takes over our souls. And and today we're going to talk about the moment in which the angels come to announce to shepherds that the Savior is born. And that was quite a different reality for them because the shepherds were in such low social status and position in that particular society that they were believed to not even be able to testify in a court because they said, oh, no, they're too too low. They can't say the truth. They, they don't even know what they saw. So they, they are not good witnesses for the court. And, well, Luke will tell us that the heavens chose the shepherds as the first witnesses of Jesus' birth. 
this this gospel of Luke um, that highlights salvation for all, that intercalates stories of men and women and men and women and Pharisees and publicans and Jews and Gentiles trying to tell us that that uh, salvation is for all, that there is no higher and lower status in God's eyes. And uh, this gospel uh, talks about the outrageous grace of God. We get stories like the prodigal son and, and the dialogue of Jesus with the thief on the cross uh, only found in this gospel of this outrageous grace, right? And the joy that comes when we realize of this, this, this second reality that God has brought into our lives. So when we get to Luke chapter 2, uh, Luke will add an element that we were missing. Um, the whole Old Testament has the different prophecies of Jesus, right? Um, and they, they form like a puzzle, right? Uh, that we know this and that and, and the other thing. Like, for example, Genesis 3.15 is the first utterance of the covenant that we call it, that there would be a savior and that he would be born of a woman and that he would be victorious over evil, right? Then we have another prophecy in Genesis 12.3 where God speaks to Abraham and says that through him, all the families of the earth will be blessed, uh, completely inclusive of, of ethnic and social status. All the families, of course, now we, that's when we realize that, that Jesus would be a descendant of Abraham. But then we have 2 Samuel 7, verses 11 to 16, when God says that it's through David that the Savior will come. So we're following the lineage, right? First, that he would be born of a woman, then be born uh, through Abraham, then through David. And of course, David was also from Bethlehem, uh, the very place where Jesus would be born. Then we, we have different prophecies in the Old Testament that are completing this, this puzzle for us. But there is one prophecy, which is in Micah chapter 5, verse 2, that says that, uh, the Messiah, the, the one who would come to shepherd God's people, would be born in Bethlehem. But we have a big problem because Joseph and Mary are from Nazareth. They are not living in Bethlehem. How will they get to Bethlehem as the prophecy that was given hundreds of years before uh, says that Jesus would be born in Bethlehem? Well, Luke adds that missing piece for us. He tells us how is it that Joseph and Mary ended up in Bethlehem when they actually lived in Nazareth. And so chapter 2 of Luke starts by saying, In those days a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that a census be taken of all the inhabited earth. This was the first census taken while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And everyone was on his way to register for the census, each to his own city. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the city of Nazareth, to Judea, here we go, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the household of the family of David, in order to register along with Mary, who was engaged to him and was with child. While they were there, the days were completed for her to give birth. So this is how they got to Bethlehem. There was a census given by Caesar Augustus. Now, it's interesting, uh, it's very interesting for me that here we not only uh, get how they got there, how they got to Bethlehem, but now we get the story of the uh, angels who will show up to the shepherds. Now, don't forget that the shepherds are living in a whole different reality because they're so low in the social strata, right, of the time. But being that we were given this, this name, Caesar Augustus, I want to tell you a little bit about Caesar Augustus. 
um, before we go on, because Luke will write this story in contrast to Caesar Augustus. So I want to tell you a little bit more about Caesar Augustus. His name was Octavian. He was uh, the adopted son of Julius Caesar. He was in power 31 BC to 14 AD, and he was responsible for quite a bit of, of Roman prosperity. Uh, at the time of Caesar Augustus, he was able to do a lot of things that nobody else had been able to do before him. For example, uh, he was able to establish peace. So if you have studied Caesar Augustus, you know Caesar Augustus as the one who established the Pax Romana, the, 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 the peace for Rome, right? And he was venerated for that because now Rome was finally at peace. And um, he, <laughs> under him, they built so many roads. Uh, it's, there is, it's estimated that they built 50,000 miles of roads all over the world coming to Rome, right? So, so that's why we still have that, that statement today. All roads lead to Rome because this prosperity and this travel started happening, which of course you can see that God had waited for the perfect timing, right? Uh, so that the good news of, of the Savior would be actually uh, all over the world because people were traveling at that time. Uh, but he was so venerated for this that he was called the savior of the world. Uh, the actual name that we call Jesus now, uh, Caesar Augustus was called that, the soter in Greek, the savior of the world. And his birthday was called the gospel, the good news, because, of course, the savior of the world was born uh, on that day. So it was called the good news, what we call the gospel. And so imagine all of this for Caesar Augustus. Now the angels will announce that one greater than Caesar Augustus has been born. So remember the things about Caesar Augustus, the fact that he was known for the Pax Romana, the fact that his birthday was called the gospel, the good news, that he was called the savior of the world, and, and these great choirs used to accompany him and announce things for him, etc., etc. Now the angels come to, to tell the shepherds that one much greater has brought a greater reality than the one that Caesar Augustus uh, had brought for Rome. And so I start on Luke chapter 2, verse 8. In the same region, there were some shepherds staying out in the fields and keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord suddenly stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terribly frightened. The Greek here says they had megaphobe. They had mega fear. But the angel told them, verse 10, do not be afraid. Why? Oh, because he's bringing a different reality than the one they have. Behold, I bring you good news of great joy. They must have thought, oh yeah, the good news, it must be Caesar Augustus' birthday. No, says the angel. This is the good news of mega joy. It's much greater than the ones about Caesar Augustus, which will be for all the people. This is not just for Rome. It's for all the people. Verse 11, today in the city of David, there has been born for you a savior. Oh, they must have said, this must be Caesar Augustus. This is the name of Caesar Augustus. No, says the angel, this is the savior who is Christ the Lord. This is the one we were expecting the whole Old Testament long. And, uh, oh, you were expecting a choir. <laughs> Here is a choir, says the angel. And all of a sudden, verse 13, suddenly there appeared with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest. And what was Caesar Augustus now? He was known for the Pax Romana, the peace of Rome. Oh, says the angel, this is much greater. Glory to God in the highest and on earth. Peace among men with whom he's pleased. 
This, this was a much greater savior. It was a much greater reality than the one they had. It was one that had been born for all the people. And, and the angel says, has been born to you. For today in the city of David, it has been born for you a savior. Not just for everybody else, not just for the rich ones, not just for the ones that have high status in society. It has been born for you. And in this case, God had, had gone over the temple, over the doctors of the law, over everybody. And, and, and the angel ended up in the fields to tell these first witnesses of his birth that the Savior had been born for them. Different reality. And you know that only Luke tells us that the two groups that were not allowed in court as witnesses at that time were the two groups chosen by God the shepherds as the first witnesses of his birth and women who also were not allowed to testify in court as the first witnesses of Jesus' resurrection. The response to the revelation of the good news in Luke is praise and joy. Everybody's joyful. Everybody's singing. Um, we have four hymns in Luke in the first two chapters in response to the great news that the Savior is coming and had come. And uh, we have this, this great theme of, of joy in the Gospel of Luke um, because people come to trust that, that, that there's a plan of redemption. And even when they don't understand everything, they can trust this, this reality that God brings because he brought redemption. So when you don't understand God's hand because sometimes you won't understand God's hand, trust his heart. Because he has brought redemption for you. He has brought a savior for you. And that is your main reality. Don't forget to put those headphones on, especially in moments of storms and troubles, because there's a second reality. You have been saved. In him, you have eternal life. Because joy is not the absence of trouble. It's not the absence of storms. It's the presence of the savior and the reality that he brings with himself to your life for eternal life. Thank you for joining us today on Jesus 101. For more insights and resources, connect with us at Jesus101.tv. That's Jesus101.tv. Like us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Jesus101institute and follow us on Twitter at Jesus101media. Until next time, live free.